Welcome to the Jay Martin Show. My name is Jay Martin, and my guest today is the president and CIO of U.S. Global Investors, among many, many other things. This is Frank Holmes, and he has his fingers deep in the gold sector, in the airline sector, in the luxury goods sector, the shipping sectors, and the crypto sectors. Now, I don't know anybody who has their finger on the pulse of so many major industries as Frank does, and he does it very, very effectively. So today, we go all over the map with this interview. We talk about the gold sector and why there's about to be a tsunami of cash released into acquisitions and investments in the gold space. We talk broad commodities and discuss the main catalyst that Frank is focused on. We talk about the energy war that's occurring behind the scenes between organizations like the KGB, like Gazprom, and countries like the USA and Canada. And we talk about the crypto space and how it all went wrong. All right, here is Frank Holmes. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. And as always, beneath this piece of content, there is a link where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I publish every Sunday. I love writing it. I would love to have you join the team. All right, here's Frank Holmes. Enjoy. Welcome back to The Jay Martin Show. My name is Jay Martin, and I'm joined once again by Frank Holmes, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer at U.S. Global Investors. Frank, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for making the time. I miss you, Jay. I have to see you through Facebook and uh, Instagram, <laughs> where you're staying, as I say, you're the titanium man. You're not the iron man. You're looking <laughs> great. <laughs> Thanks. I'm doing my best, yeah, just to stave off the aging process and try to keep up with my kids, to be honest with you. Um, look, I'm excited to jump in today. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. I was thinking about prior to this interview, you know, the reason that I launched my channel back in the day was because I wanted to sit down with the smartest investors that I knew and find out where they were allocating cash so that I could make better decisions with my money, right? And you were one of those individuals that inspired me to do so via the podcast, via the YouTube channel. And so that's where I want to focus today, Frank. I want to know where your head's at, what themes you're most focused on, what you're concerned about, what you think the public is misunderstanding, and then where you're putting cash. So let's start with this macro landscape right now. There's lots going on. What's catching your attention? Well, there's some really bullish things that have taken place for gold. Uh, as as you're, most people are aware now that China... Uh, all of a sudden discloses how much gold they've recently added to it. But it goes back to about five years ago, Jay, when they were trying to get Saudi Arabia to take the yuan uh, for oil. And, uh, and the Saudis said no. Uh, and so they said, unless there's more gold behind it. So they've been buying more gold to give credibility to their currency. And now they're partnering with other nations and the BRIC countries uh, to all of a sudden have a, a, a currency that doesn't have to go through New York City and all oil trade used to trade in only U.S. dollars. Uh, and, and so when you think of that debate, we're, we're having what's called a decentralized asset. It's really important to recognize that gold is a decentralized asset. No one person or country can long-term dictate the price of gold. Uh, and it takes a lot of human effort and electricity and energy to make a brick of gold. Uh, look at all those trucks that are behind me. That's lots of energy, comes to consumption of energy to dig up the dirt, separate the dirt, etc. The same thing with the other big asset that's out there that's grown in the past 12 years is Bitcoin. 
and you need electricity to make it. So that's what makes it a qualified decentralized digital, it's a digital asset, not a gold brick. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's recognizing that China wants to have compete with the US with trade and economic power along with military power, but versus economic power. And they've been knocking off uh, the caterpillars so they can produce a caterpillar cheaper. They're gonna be uh, within 10 years producing jets because uh, they've been knocking off the Boeing parts. So they're doing everything to displace America's high-end manufacturing expertise. And it'll also impact Germany. It's also known for its high-end manufacturing expertise. So now they've got a deal done. It's huge. We're going to buy your oil. You're going to take the one, but then the one is going to come back to China and you're going to buy our machinery. And if you want our labor, gosh, we got a million people for you and we can come in and build you a railway across Saudi Arabia uh, once a quarter if you want. You know, like it, that type of uh, trade is going on. And I think that the, what behind that is creating a separate currency, but it has to have gold. It has to have gold. So what we've witnessed, which surprises me, that gold is not at 3,000 today. I still hold with my forecast by next year, it's, it'll be 3,000. I think it could be $4,000 uh, because of the money printing that's taken place, the supply demand, and there's geopolitics because government policies are a precursor to change. And whenever there's an imbalance between fiscal and monetary policies, gold in that country's currency goes up. And when there's a big imbalance globally between monetary and fiscal policies, then gold really shines. Interesting. Now, I want to recap something you said just to make sure I understood it correctly, Frank. So four or five years ago, the Chinese went to the Saudis, tried to do an oil deal for yuan, and the response was, you know, there's not enough gold backing your yuan for us to do this deal, right? Since then, China's massively increased their store of gold in the treasury, gone back to the table, said, how about now? And as we saw in the headlines, they got the yes. That's that's interesting. I didn't really think about it from that perspective. And now, obviously, yes, that so yuan it, is reinvested it, back it, into. It's, it's in gold we trust. You know, in yeah. God we trust. And then they use the word in gold we trust when it comes to money. And, yeah. and that's what the Saudis. And there's such a cultural affinity. And they're making so much money, and that's what's going on. Uh, and then we have this other war with Russia and Ukraine, and there's another element of geopolitics. What a lot of naive people are is that the, the whole Matt Damon movie of anti-fracking, uh, it was funded by Gazprom. And, and Gazprom has funded all these NGOs that control the narrative in Europe, Nuclear is bad. Germany shuts down their nuclear. Spain shuts down their nuclear. And now they have an energy crisis. Yeah. Uh, that's just unprecedented. And, and you can see the same thing that's taken place now. They've been brilliant. The KGB and Gazprom, they're all brilliant in how to manipulate. They're worried about here about elections. One's pro-Trump, one's anti-Trump, one's pro-Biden. It doesn't really matter. The issue is they know how to use other forms of media and manipulate narratives. Mm -hmm. and, and so now we're seeing all this anti the Middle East coming out of, oh, US, England, is it really coming out of us? Is it 100%, is this really the truth? Or is it once again, the FUD of addresses coming out of Russia with right. this negative story? It makes it so easy for she to come in and say, hey, do it with me, I love you. And then yeah. in the past week, 
He's come out and said he, he favors the Palestinian borders, going back to what they were. And well, who supports Israel is America uh, and the UK. So you're seeing this geopolitical tension. Mm-hmm. It's always good for gold. It's good for gold. And, yeah. and if you have a, a COVID crisis, an amount of printing of money, but I do believe it's been suppressed. And I do believe that uh, prior to the rates rising in the US, that there was in the futures market. Now we've had more charges against former JP Morgan traders for spoofing. Uh, and JP Morgan's yep. written the first check for it. So the, the, whenever there's been a Chinese holiday, there was this manipulation and it impacts. But what I love to see, Jay, is what we follow the 100 gold producers. Yeah. And 71% of them, as of this week, have high free cash flow yields. That's unprecedented. In, in 2011, the last big run-up in gold and then the drop-off, they all had poor free cash flow. Only 20% had free cash flow yields. That means they can, ex- they can expand their production. They can buy stuff with it. They don't have to do dilution with equity finance because they have strong free cash flow. So yes. the new boards of the producers are extremely disciplined. And, and this lends it to rising dividends. So I think this asset class and the scene, our GoAU ETF since September has is, is, is been a leader. from the GDXJ, which has more mid cap and small cap. Uh, and it's up 37% and gold was up 9%. So it's a four bagger difference. And I love Adam Hamilton's work when he writes about the granularity of the GDXJ. He gets right into the great details of it and picking these gold stocks. Uh, it, it, it's, we're in that sort of next wave, but we've not seen it, Jay, with the juniors. So That's our right. World Precious Minerals Fund is not seeing those flows that we've seen on previous runs. But what's positive is gold is above the 50-day. It took off to the 50-day, it fell back, it went through the 50-day, and we saw GoAU and the royalty companies just charge forward while the stock market was selling off dramatically. This is very positive, setting the stage for next year, that when gold goes through $2,000, we're going to see a wave coming into the juniors. Uh, and when it goes through $3,000, uh, it's going to be like we had in 2004, five, and six. So I think we're getting in that position. Another really important, when I've spoken at your programs, I have talked about two big things I like to follow, and I publish every month on them. One is purchasing manufacturers index. Most people follow GDP. GDP is looking out your rear view mirror. PMI is looking forward. And it's a great leading indicator of what to expect in the economy because of commodity demand today to manufacture products for delivery in six months. So if those deliveries are slowing down, it shows up right today in commodity demand. So you're getting less orders to manufacture. And, and so we saw this time last year, PMIs were up uh, over, way over 50. The U.S. is leading the charge. Soon as rates started rising, the PMI in the U.S. is now contracted and following, falling. And China was falling because of all the COVID dramas. It appears that our COVID dramas are behind them. They're mm-hmm. turning their economy. Gold has this big bounce as a leading indicator coming out of September. That starts to mean reversion. So gold can still go much, much higher before it becomes up to standard deviations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so that just really, to me, sets the stage for the other commodities. And, and if we look at last year, the, the critical metal commodities like lithium, well, lithium was on a tear. All the lithium stocks are on a tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're seeing 
whatever the industry is, is going to go follow that, that commodity. And we see the same thing with crypto mining stocks. They all follow 94% of the daily price action yeah. is with that, with that. And here's a sad story, but gold is, is, is up and, and you have bad news and your stock is still be up. You have great news and gold is down and your stock is down. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have the yeah, same yeah. thing as Bitcoin. So short term, you have all the sentiment movement that's all sort of a basket. And, and I think we're, we're, we're in poise for big mean reversion for the commodities. And, and the economy is going to go through a soft landing. The reason why I think that is because, particularly in the U.S., not so much Canada, but gas prices at the pump have fallen dramatically. And it's, yeah. the, biggest, it's the biggest challenge for workers because public transportation is not a big part of people in, outside of New York City. Uh, when you think of the subway system, the rest in Chicago, the rest are all driving their cars like Texas. So gas is off at the pump almost 50% for regular gas. That means there's more spending. Uh, and all you do is hear about the negative narrative, uh, the credit card debt's up and all this stuff, but disposable spending is up beautifully in the past three months. So we're gonna get a slowdown. We're gonna get a soft landing. Uh, uh, rates are gonna, short rates are gonna peak here in the next quarter, long peak, uh, peaked here. Uh, China's turning, China's 55% of commodity demand for the world. Right. That holds up next year is going to be a stellar year. And then President Biden pushed through all that infrastructure spending. That's so great for silver. 20% of the demand for silver is, is solar panels. It's great for renewables in Canada. It's it, for anything that's renewables. Uh, and so I think that we're going to see this, you know, a really healthy bounce in the commodities. The other interesting part is if it's such a bad bear market is luxury goods I follow because of my experience in gold has led me to turn around and have the only luxury mutual fund in America. And, and there's all this high correlation. Who's the richest guy in the world today? The CEO of LVMH, luxury goods. So here you have France, you know, socialist country. And if you have a high-end car, you better be careful they don't spray paint it in Paris. Mm. But they predominantly export to the world luxury goods and, right. and and huge big fat juicy profit margins yeah and yep. and so i see that with all the wealth that's being created in the middle east with the higher lng prices etc china turning and they'll tell you that china is so important like commodity demand it's very important for luxury goods because every chinese person wants to wear uh louis vuitton gucci uh prada and you know what i love the new fashion for this year you got to tell your wife it's the Prada gold bag. And I don't know if you can get it in Canada, but it was in Qatar and it was in Dubai. And they launched it there and in Paris first. And it's beautiful, but it's only $3,000 huh. for a beautiful leather purse that you'll pass it on to your grandchildren. But it is gold. And so what is psychologically, it's yeah. gold. Is it is it plated in gold actually, or I haven't seen this purse. I don't know. No, it's it. got right. in the metal parts. It's got the plating, but the whole the metallic paint they use uh, right. for the, the, the die for it is has gold in it. So interesting. It's it's to me it, <laughs> it's a theme uh, yeah. of of gold. It's not green. It's not a green purse because yeah. we all have to be green, green, green. No, it's gold. I like it, man. All right. You know, and 
Actually, a go-to for uh, Christmas presents at my house is Monet Jewelry. And I know you're, I don't know if you're still a shareholder, I know you invested uh, years back. You introduced me actually to Monet at one of my conferences like yes. five or six years ago. That's right. Yeah. And for a gold investor to have a jewelry option like that is phenomenal. You know, you can feel really good about investing in a, what would otherwise be a somewhat frivolous item, but you, you know, you know, your cash is in the right spot. It's fantastic. And I just came back. I was with uh, Nash and, and uh, he was so, so wonderful. Uh, Nash Jua and organized uh, for us to go to Qatar to go to the games and saw Canada play in the U S and Rick Clark was there, you know, the, uh, with the Lundin organization. Okay. Yeah. Redback was sold. And so he's a, a, a lawyer also. And, and, and uh, Ross Beatty was there. So we had so a great group of seeing uh, some of these games. And, and it was, it was wonderful because when you're in, in the airport or any of the malls, you buy 24 karat gold jewelry marked up and they put it on a weight scale per gram. You can buy 18, 22, 24, but it's how ornate the design is how much more you'll pay. So the yeah. human labor element is the premium. And, and I thought that was so interesting seeing gold everywhere and just people wear it. They wear the bangles, they wear the different types of jewelry. Uh, it doesn't matter what their level of disposable income is, they all want to have gold. Uh, and if they have rising GDP per capita, uh, then I say to you that it's it's uh, higher gold prices. The last thing I want to show you about Doha, all the negative FUD out there, false, uh, creating doubt and uncertainty about what's in Saudi Arabia and in, in Qatar and Dubai. It's just terrible what's gone on because you, you find out when you're with uh, a sultan, which I had the privilege of being with. They study in America. They, the biggest real estate developer went to Oregon University. Uh, they studied in Cambridge. They studied in, in uh, Canada. Uh, and, and so they're going back with North American ideas, more, more, more North American best practices and standards. So they want luxury goods to buy, uh, but they want to have a real sustainable economy. So they have built a nuclear reactor in Abu Dhabi. So why? They have all this oil and gas. What are they going to have a nuclear reactor for? Because they see, they say, what happens when those reserves are gone? So they, there is this big theme that's being pushed there. And I remain very bullish because the leaders there went to school here. Yeah, interesting. So, so much of what you just shared, whether I was going to ask you about, you know, some leading indicators in the gold sector and, you know, your gold ETF, gold AU would be one up 37% since September, right? Um, and you mentioned the free cash flow of what was it, seventy-one percent of the you know top one hundred gold yes. producers hitting records in terms of free cash flow, which is great to see because over the last two years we've seen far more responsible management take over these companies, right? Like all the right things that investors should want to watch. That coupled with the Biden infrastructure deal that you mentioned, and then China's reopening sets the stage, right? For do you expect this to be like a full? rotation in the equities market therefore towards the commodities away from speculative tech and all this stuff is that what you're expecting here frank because we've, we've been so dramatically oversold and and, and uh, you look for that dna of volatility uh and so with that movement and you look for the government policy so if rates are peaking and that's hurt the fear trade of gold remember 60 percent of all gold demand is love 
40% yeah. is, is basically currency hedging and fear. So the fear element has been distorted with rising interest rates in the US. But to me, the joke is this. The joke is that the economy is all of a sudden faltering. How do you know this? Well, Blackstone, the biggest private equity and real estate in the world is gating people. It sounds like a crypto exchange. They're gating. They won't let you, they don't give you liquidity. Right. Uh, and yeah. so why is that? Uh, how come they can't sell their assets? What's the, there's something, so it's telling you the long end of the rates, they're, they're hitting turbulence. There's a, the, the system is, it can't go much higher without a crisis being created. And, and so that lends itself uh, that, that you have to say, okay, it's uh, inflation is 7.5%. That's what they tell you. But as you know, I've always written about and talked about shadow stats and, and where uh, inflation, if you use the 1980 uh, algorithm, it's uh, 17%, 15%. Sounds more like uh, people are feeling, yeah. So now we're at 75 and the world's coming to a halt with rising rates. Wow, it's still negative. If real inflation to me is 15% and, and it's now faltering here and long end of the market, 10 year can't get the 7.5% uh, and rates are going to fall, back up the truck and buy gold. And that's why central banks are buying gold. That's why they're doing it because they're seeing that they can't even get positive real interest rates. When yeah. Volcker broke gold in 1980, inflation was running at 12%. He took it to 20%. It was a plus 8% over that CPI number that cracked the market, cracked inflation and everything. That means we'd have to go to 23%. What do you think would happen to the economy if, if, if short-term rates in Canada went to 23%? Yeah, there'd be a foreclosure foreclosure epidemic across the country. Yeah. yeah. So um, now the last thing I share with all your listeners is climate change. So I'm a big believer that the climate change, the, the concept has been hijacked by by the Gazproms and the KGB. And there's been so much emotional drama in Europe, and you see it in Canada too. They stopped all the fracking. Now they're going to open up fracking. Did you know that during World War II, the British were producing 150,000 barrels from, from their coal? 150,000 barrels a day. Okay. And that's yeah. another reason why Hitler wanted to get control because he needed oil to run his machinery. Yep. And so that all stopped. They came from the North Sea, but not from, from near Manchester, that whole area. With fracking, they can turn around and get gas. It can do this. So they've opened that up. But the climate change policies are very inflationary. They've embedded inflation. So inflation is not going to fall back to 2%. Okay. It might fall to 4 So if it does, then will the rates stay at 5 4 So we're going to see this sort of structural change. And, and so that's why these, we have supply line disruptions, et cetera. And the climate, just think of what's happened in Canada. Uh, April Fool's Day, it wasn't April Fool's in Canada when they slapped 25% carbon tax. Oh, how did that go and help Canadians driving? Uh, how did that help you with your bills, et cetera? And historically, I've noticed this, is that the Canadian dollar went to par with the US dollar when oil was $100 a barrel. When oil goes from $35 up to $100 a barrel, this go run, how come it didn't go up? Because it was being basically anti-oil and anti uh, and, and rising taxes. So the yeah. dollar never, never got to go back. I saw this the same thing in Colombia. 
Colombia currency always rallied with oil. They never did because they have these climate change socialist policies that are imbalanced. Yes, we need clean water and clean air. And yes, we have to be conscientious. But a lot of the decisions are emotional. And they're not engineers. Like you need a mind to be built with engineers. You don't have a bunch of activists building a mind. And they don't, they're not doctors or they're not activists or doctors. If they are, they're witch doctors. So, so you have to think about a lot of these policies were knee-jerk emotional. And who was feeding it? Who was feeding it? KGP, Kazprom, and that whole thing. You know, and, and we got caught up with all oh, this pro-Trump, anti-Trump, this. No, 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 no. It has to do with with them making Europe depend upon exports from Russia. And so that, let that me, was, this is really interesting. Let me let me try to recap some of this so that I ensure I'm understanding it correctly. Because I'm based in Canada, right? So I'm very familiar with these policies that you're discussing. We have massive resource wealth, energy, right? Through Alberta and Saskatchewan. The problem is that it's landlocked. And so you need federal cooperation to get those resources out of the country. In fact, right now we're seeing legislation put forward by Alberta called the Alberta Sovereignty Act and from Saskatchewan called the Saskatchewan First Act. And they're now in conversations with Manitoba, the next province to the east, to try to form a coalition, therefore have a stronger voice to petition our federal government to start listening, right? So that we can start exporting the resources that we have today to the world that wants it today so that we could grow our economy today instead of making promises about hydrogen power in 2050 when Germany is at our doorstep begging for natural gas. You're saying that part of, and I, you know, I, I watch this and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a strategy towards renewable energy. That's not what's happening here. This is a punt towards easy moral virtue. That's all it is. Like this, there's no, there's no tangible plan here, right? And you're saying that the seeds of this are being planted, right? By, in, well, organizations like Gazprom who would have a vested interest in the world being dependent on their resources instead of ours. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Correct. Absolutely. And we all get consumed with, oh, they're screwing around with the elections. They're not screwing around with elections. They're really screwing around with, with trade and global trade. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and so it's just recognizing how they influence. And I, and I think the big thing is I learned, and now we see more with gold uh, bug investors, uh, but I learned this really clearly from the Bitcoin uh, world, is the World Economic Forum. Uh, how does this guy Schwabi show up and talk to the G20 uh, leaders? Right. Uh, you know, and and uh, you don't own a home, don't have private property. That's just socialism. It's intellectual uh, uh, elitism and, and, and socialism that take away your private property rights. Once they take away your private property rights, they take away your human rights. And so what's happened in Canada? Oh, you know, sadly enough, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau loves uh, World Economic Forum, and he took away the rights to assembly or protest unless the government yeah. approves it. And then he changed the media of who was allowed to cover uh, a protest. Uh, and, and so you're, you're seeing this sort of battle. But what you're seeing in Canada is interesting because it relates to my big macro thesis. And it can be lots of social issues. It's centralized versus decentralized debate. And so there's a push in the U.S. to take a lot of social issues and be abortion is all of a sudden gone over to state power, not mm -hmm. federal power. That's decentralization. Mm -hmm. Brexit is decentralization. The whole world becomes outraged over Russia 
going into Ukraine, which is centralization. Right. Okay. So, so the world gets really upset over this centralization by Putin, but there are all of a sudden this, this direction is bad and that is good or that's bad. Well, guess what? I think uh, centralization has its, has gone too far and this big pendulum is swinging. So now Canada says there's too much power with the federal government, more power has to go with the provinces. So we're gonna get a coalition so that we decentralize it. And yeah. gold, coming back, gold is a decentralized asset. Bitcoin is a decentralized asset. The crypto world is all blown up, but it has nothing to do really with the Bitcoin, except for they fall on the back of it, has to do with these tokens. Uh, and they call them shit coins. Uh, yeah. And if we go back to when Hive first went public uh, and it took off, uh, all these tokens are out there and they all collapsed. And the SEC went after all these guys who are basically uh, doing pump and dumps on these tokens with no government governance. And the SEC is still after ripple over it. Well, what's happened here in this past year? Uh, FTX, guess what? They, they created their own coin and then they do front run, they do wash trading with, with high frequency trading between all the exchanges and make it worth something worth 2 million uh, uh, cost them, it's worth 2 billion. And that's what they use for their capital base. You can't do that with Bitcoin. And guess what? You can't do that with gold because it takes real human beings to go and mine and equipment to mine a brick of gold or to make a Bitcoin. It's a digital asset or it's a tangible gold asset. And, and over here, they do with Excel sheets, but it's Excel on blockchain. Oh, that's what they do. What's the corporate governance? Well, they changed Ethereum. They took it from proof of work to proof of stake. They did it with coders. Well, coders can change anything. They can issue. They say, oh, we're not going to do it. It's actually, you can see the risk was all of these characters. So I got criticized of why didn't I put up our Bitcoin, Ethereum during a yield? And I said, well, if I give you an ounce of gold on the table and it doesn't earn any interest, and I put a $100 bill on the table, it doesn't earn any interest. But once I start giving you interest on that, I've securitized it. The only way I can give you interest on your cash is if I invested to get a yield. So now it's a security. Mm -hmm. So all those tokens are actually securities. Mm -hmm. That proof of stake, they call it, is a security. And, and it's most where the manipulation takes place. And so you see Luna, proof of stake. Uh, FTX, proof of stake. Uh, their own coins, Solana, proof of stake. Uh, and so we've seen this hype and then we, they leverage themselves like long-term capital Celsius, hundred to one. What does that mean? It's a 1% error, one percent the stake and you wipe out your capital. Right. So you have this, and the only fortunate part of all this whole drama is that most of it's contained. So the contagion is they're all interrelated. It's not like the rest of the world, like 2008, the whole world owned these credit default swaps. And the whole world own all these, these, these securities that are offering these high yields, et cetera. That's not here. It's predominantly crypto to crypto. And the big error they did is they reached out like Voyager did in Canada and make statements, you know, like we're FDIC insured or whatever, and taking depositors to get a high yield when interest rates for zero. That's what they did. And, and they were basically selling a security with it and it wasn't registered. That's just my opinion on that. Mm -hmm. and, and so... <clears throat> You saw that house of cards come down and it'll impact short term. The Bitcoin with the pressure 
because Bitcoin has become the source of liquidity. And so people that really have something that's trying to sell Bitcoin and that pressure will be temporary. It, it, but I think it'll come out of here and there'll be regular rules, et cetera, and they'll pronounce. And, and most likely they're going to be good for the infrastructure for Bitcoin. And, and I think that we're just see that change. So I believe long-term that Bitcoin will, will, will survive to thrive another day, but it still is going to be very sloppy for the next three to six months. Interesting. Uh, let me ask you a question on that because we you mentioned FTX real quick. I'm just curious if you have any opinions on this, Frank. I've watched the the SBF interviews with a lot of curiosity because for a soon to be incriminated individual, he was doing a lot of media. But the most striking part was that they were white gloving this guy and just lobbing him these softball questions and positioning him as this oh, I wish I had done better. I did my best. I'm just a young guy figuring this out. I made a bunch of short, short-term decisions that didn't, all this stuff. And then a couple of days ago, he suddenly gets arrested, but he gets arrested like the day before he's supposed to testify in Congress, which might've been one of the most incriminating interviews he's done. Do you like... I can't, un I'm very curious as to why this situation is being tackled that way. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I, no, I, I think that it's very political. And then okay. we see, like no one, a lot of people didn't realize how much money he gave to um, both parties, but predominantly the Democrat party. And his mother and father are professors, legal and law at Stanford. And they're very big in raising money uh, for the Democrat party. So if, if most of the Beltway uh, agencies are Democrat and, uh, and he gave all this money, I think $5 million to the White House, uh, he, he was the biggest funder going into this midterm elections. So people are going to give him that. I think that that's what's going to happen. Um, and, and the person that turns on him uh, was the guy that gave money to the Republicans, uh, but they only gave to Republicans that were pro the crypto space. So I, you know, it's political. Both parties. I don't know how it's going to resolve itself, um, and, and you just hope there's going to be justice uh, that that will prevail. Uh, and and uh, and I, I, that's all I hope because he's a real psychopath. You know, this is a this is a psychopath. That, and 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 I was told by my lawyers are telling me that it creates value for old guys like me. You know, if if if, if um, there was nothing with white hair around him giving guidance about volatility, corporate governance, yeah. uh, risk management, <laughs> and, and, and he's above all that. And one of the things is that I, I had no interest in meeting him when I saw him on a picture in an interview on stage with, with, with Prime Minister Tony Blair and President Bill Clinton uh, in shorts and flip-flops. Like, he's above them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. above them. And, and, and to me, it was just disrespectful. I don't care he went to MIT and his parents were at Stanford. I just found it was just disrespectful to incredible leaders of the world. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, and other people jumped all over to, oh, give me, he promised $15 million to one guy, five million to another to, to write all these good stories about him and promote. That's going to that that that's not ending. You know the the influencers and who's an influencer. The regulatory world's going to you know go after that. Um, yeah. 
but I, I think that the, uh, the the crypto space, you know, it's 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 very challenged not only with characters like him and the high leverage of all these exchanges and shadow banks. I like to call them like Celsius and Voyager. That's you know we're a quasi bank when they're not because uh, there's no controls and capital controls. Uh, I, I think they'll all get washed out. And, and I think what will come out of it will be sort of positive and constructive because blockchain's not going away and, and digital decentralized assets are not going away. No. Uh, and, and so I remain positive long-term. Uh, and Hive, you know, Hive has been still the most efficient miner of all the crypto miners. I'm very proud of it. Uh, I'm surprised that some have market caps the same or bigger than us. And we make nine times they did last quarter in EBITDA. Uh, last year, we did 10 million. Bitcoin was much higher in Ethereum. We did 10 million in revenue per employee. Uh, Goldman Sachs is a million. Um, royalty companies like Franco Nevada, I love. I do. So we get 34 million in revenue per employee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they're the, the darlings for efficiency ratio. But I, you know, I, I think that um, uh, all these crypto miners, which started out of Vancouver, uh, there's, there's good structure, good discipline. All the CEOs of the miners are very mature. They're much more sophisticated than when Hyde first went public. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that that industry, I think we need more professionalism in all these guys that hang their hats as being exchanges or uh, shadow banks or whatever they're doing. Uh, there has to be greater credibility put in there. But we're going to find out this guy's paid a lot of people for influencers. Like he, oh, yeah. he bought, he bought uh, uh, various uh, bloggers off. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I never, there's no photograph of me with him. I'm very yeah, good. <laughs> I don't want to see one. That's good. Because yeah, it was something around 70 million to the Democrats. But I'm on the same page as you. I'm really curious what he paid to media. I mean, you know, Kevin O'Leary was on CNBC a couple of days ago talking about his $15 million check. And then saying he'd kind of, you know, he'd support the guy in the future. And it's like, what are you talking about? There's, I think there's like a big sum. And I wonder if that's why he's getting this, he was getting this white glove treatment from the media across the board. Um, I was, I found it very curious. It's, it's, it's very, very weird, but we know that public, you know, places like CNBC, uh, they're giving lob balls to him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bloomberg is giving lob balls to him. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the, the difficulty you see. Um, uh, but there's no doubt he's, he's, he's harmed this, this industry, um, significantly. And, uh, we'll see how it evolves because what the coming of the crypto is <clears throat> the war in Russia and in Eastern and going into Ukraine, it's had a big sentiment shift in cost of energy. And it really showed the, 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 the issues with, with, uh, uh, not getting energy from Russia and not having nuclear energy, how disruptive it was all through Europe. And, um, and so one of the things that Hive has been fortunate, we've only stayed in green areas. Uh, we balance the grid. You know what we're doing in Montreal? We take a 40,000 square foot building uh, where we mine a cup, two and a half Bitcoin a day. We take the energy, set it across 25 yards, and we hit, heat a 200,000 square foot building with 170 uh, manufacturing workers. Uh, in Sweden, we're looking at the engineering to heat the hockey arena, um, and uh, we're building. Uh, our vision right now is up to now. It's expanded from ten thousand to twenty thousand to forty thousand square foot greenhouse, and we have seen this. We went and, and did our due diligence in Amsterdam, 
where we saw eight football fields being <clears throat> heated from two megawatt facility. That's all. So you take this heat and you take that same molecule and you just recycle it. So we'll have all the produce in Northern Sweden. There'll be nothing coming after to come up from uh, Spain or, or uh, Italy. It'll all be there. And, and I think conceptually, Jay, this is going to grow. This vertical farming being, being financed and funded out of Bitcoin mining beside it is going to be the new future. And communities are going to want to have better control because we saw after COVID these supply line problems of getting food. Inflation yeah. of food hasn't come down. It's not come down. So you're going to have to think of greenhouses all through Northern Canada that are going to be able to grow bananas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then where are you going to get the heat from? And can you recycle? How much is going to be solar? And how much is going to say from Bitcoin mining? So yeah. what we do is if we balance the grid when there's cheap electricity, they don't need it. They want it. We give them the electricity or we sell the electricity. So we're always making money as a company and it's green and we're doing everything we can to see how we can recycle that same molecule. Mm. I'm curious when, you know, as you were saying this and I was thinking through everything that gets your attention, right? As the chief investment officer at US Global Investors, as the CEO at Hive Blockchain, you know, the Go Gold ETF up 37% since September, you launched Jets, the world's first airline ETF, now the world's uh, first luxury goods ETF. I'm like, when's he going to launch the agriculture? Where's the future of farming ETF, Frank? And when? When are you going to put that one together? I'm watching the ag sector really closely from a technology standpoint. I'm like, how? And I've seen a couple interesting deals, um, but uh, nothing that's caught my attention yet. But I'm looking at the food sector and the agriculture sector very closely for any innovative business models. And nothing's really grabbed me yet. But I'm sure there's stuff happening out there that I just haven't found. Well, just think in Alberta and Edmonton, you can take the natural gas, you can mine Bitcoin. And you can heat a greenhouse that doesn't have to be cannabis. You know, it, it can be uh, the tomatoes. It can be red peppers. It can be yeah. like cabbage and lettuce. And therefore, you don't need our avocados. You don't need them come from Mexico. Yeah, You don't need that carbon footprint. And and uh, that, that same molecule gets recycled over and over. Uh, and, and I think that we're going to, because of COVID and all the supply line disruptions. But one of the things of Jets is quant-driven. And it's done its job as, as, a, as a unique play on the airline industry. And GoAU is also quant driven and it's outperformed most of these gold funds and the same thing, GDXJ. But, and we launched a new one, it's called C, C the sky. It's for shipping because That's right. That's right. all the climate change policies and UN policies have embedded inflation into supply lines forever. And, and so you're going to see that these guys pass on. So when you buy something, when Hive wants to get chips sent from China over to Stockholm, all the costs are passed on to us. If energy prices go up, we have to pay them. Insurance costs go up, we have to pay them. In addition, that we have to pay them just for the manual labor. So yeah. they have pricing power. And, and so they've come down. Uh, with this worry of a global big crisis, but I don't think it's going to happen. And now we're starting to see them populate again. But once again, I'm trying to use what data centers are used for using AI and quantitative analysis to pick these stocks. Uh, and, and I think that you still have to visit the property, like you can see the picture in the back. It's really important. 
to go see this, kick the tires, but you want to have the math in your background as a is to manage your time. And you don't want to go look at projects where there's just bleeding money. Don't wait, you don't want to do that. If they have free cash flow, and so you're a gold producer and you've got free cash flow, but you've got your reserves are going to go away in five years, you have to make an acquisition. Okay, yeah. so who are you going to buy? So that's where the food chain is going to become really exciting in exploration that people have real deposits because we're going to get Pac-Man coming. I love that. Look, Frank, that's a good spot to wrap this up. I love chatting with you. I don't know how you keep your finger on the pulse of so many industries. It's like you have a second brain hidden somewhere in the back of that office that you have access to, but I, I really appreciate you and appreciate your time. And thanks for coming back on the show. It's always fun. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share uh, my thoughts and feelings and uh, tell all your listeners to look up. That's where gold's going. <laughs> I love it, Frank. All right. Feels all right. It up. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast, drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.